Oh my goodness. Oh guys, thank you so much. Good morning, Westside. Oh, it's such an honor for us to be here. I cannot tell you, but before I forget and, get, and forget to do this, I wanna introduce you to my better half who's with me today, my wife, Sandy. Would you welcome her, please? You gotta know, we feel like we're coming home. We were born and raised in St. Joseph, Missouri. And so just an hour from here, I pastored for 13 years in St. Joseph, Missouri. My parents literally lived just a few, in Shawnee Mission, just a few miles from here. My, my sister still lives in Blue Springs. And so Kansas City is like home to us. And so Randy calls me the minute he starts talking to you guys. And he's like, there's a church in Kansas City that's talking to me. What do you think? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, take it. You need to be in Kansas City. That's an incredible church. I'm very familiar with that church, and you will love it. And so I was so thrilled to hear that he had accepted this position. Uh, he told me that he did, because not just for him, but for you guys as well. I mean, this is a great church for him, but, you, but listen, I hope you don't ever take him for granted. He's the real deal. I mean, he loves God with all of his heart. He and Roseanne are just such good people. Sandy and I love them so very, very much. And so, um, uh, I'm, yay, I'm glad he's here. So let me pray, and I'm going to jump right into this. Father, I just thank you, and I praise you for your faithfulness. You are an amazing God, and I thank you for this incredible church and congregation, and I pray, God, that your blessings and favor would be upon them, and that, God, you just continue to use them in this Kansas City area. God, there's no question that they have a heart and a passion for this community, and so I pray that you would give them your favor. Thanks for all that you're doing, and now, God, as we get into this uh, talk today. I just pray, Lord God, that you would just open up our eyes and ears that we might see and hear how you want to work in our lives. Thanks, God. We love you and we praise you. We just ask it all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So I grew up in a middle-class home with parents that absolutely loved me, but I had a father with a lot of unresolved anger. I never quite knew when he was going to blow or what might just set him off. It could be anything literally from a teenager driving too fast up the street, he'd run out of the house shouting at him, or maybe at night uh, he was in bed and I was watching TV and had it too loud and he's screaming and yelling at me because I'm keeping him awake at night. Whatever it was, I'm just saying when it happened, things got loud and the expletives began to fly. And these outbursts of anger created a lot of different emotions in me as a child, as you might imagine. Everything from fear to embarrassment to making me angry over his anger. On one occasion, a specific example, on one occasion we were going somewhere. I was about 11 years old. And um, he got, started looking at something off to the side and didn't notice the car in front of him had stopped and he rear-ended him. And immediately he turned to me and started yelling and screaming at me because I didn't tell him to stop. So those were the kind of things that I experienced as a kid. Something had obviously happened in my dad's life long before he got in the car that day. I don't mean minutes or hours before, but I mean years before. Some injustice in his life that was totally unrelated to that fender bender. Some hurt or offense that was never resolved, and so it left him responding to every perceived injustice with anger, with outburst of anger. Well, after a while, the anger became so much a part of his life he, he didn't recognize the damage that it was doing on the people that he loved the most. Now, fortunately for me, this story has a much happier ending in that my dad 
stepped across the line of faith when I was a teenager and invited Christ into his life, and it radically changed him. From that time on, he went out of his way to make sure that I knew that he was proud of me and to make sure that I knew that he loved me. Now, I'm not telling you that he never got angry again because he certainly did. Like all of us, there were things that upset him. But I do believe that he broke the habit of responding to every difficult situation with anger. So today we're talking about creatures of habit. That's the series that you've been in for the last several weeks. And so we're talking about how these habits can hold you back from God's best. Hey. Hey. Excuse, excuse me. Uh, so you new here? You're a guest speaker? I am. Great, great. So you're an expert. What are you talking about today? Anger. Oh, good. My favorite, my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> it's been great. It's been a great morning. Thanks for asking. Yeah how, yeah, how are you? I'm great. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fantastic. I was behind some loser in traffic, and then the lady at Starbucks gave me the wrong coffee, and okay. I just... Calm, uh, calm down. Calm down. Oh, calm down. <laughs> you would like me to calm down? Please. You know what I like to be told when I'm angry is to calm down. Who else likes being told to calm down when you're angry? Well, I'm sure you have a lot of great things to say. We are looking forward to hearing from you today. This oh, is yeah. going to be great. Let's, I'm really excited. Let's, ah, God. let's, let's welcome her gone. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So anyway, you're in a series called Creatures of Habit, which is based on my book that I've just written. And I'll tell you, um, when I did research for this book, I discovered so much about habits that I had no idea affected the Christian journey that we're in. I found seriously that most of us greatly underestimate the power of habits in our life. I certainly underestimated the power of habits in our life. For instance, neurologists and psychologists have all done studies on habits and they discovered that 40% of everything you and I do during a day is done out of habit. Now wrap your brain around that. Literally almost half of everything you do every single day is done out of habit. What is a habit? A habit is a simple choice that we make. I, I make a decision to do something today. I decide to do it again tomorrow. I decide to do it again the next day. And before you know it, it's become an unconscious pattern. In other words, it's become second nature. I no longer have to make the decision anymore. It's just something I automatically do. What we don't understand, I think, is that those habits become our identity. Did you know that? Our habits, good or bad, become our identity. We become known for our habits. In other words, let's say that um, you are a, you, let's say you're an honest person, that's a good habit, but at the same time, you're a complainer, a bit of a complainer. And somebody comes along and they ask me, they say, could you tell me about this person? And I'm describing you to them. I'm gonna say, you know, they're as honest as the day is long. You can trust them with your life. I mean, they're just honest people of integrity, but they're a bit of a complainer. We describe people by their habits because our habits become our identity. And that's why it's important, guys, that we have good habits. Okay, so how do we know if it's a good habit or a bad habit? That's a great question because our brain can't delineate between the two. And so good habits, good habits reinforce your desire to be Christ-like. 
Good habits reinforce your identity in Christ. As a Christian, as a believer, we have a responsibility to take on the nature of Christ. How do we take on the nature of Christ? Through our good habits. The Bible calls those spiritual disciplines. On the, on the opposite end are bad habits. Bad habits do what? They conflict with who Christ wants us to be. They actually keep us from taking on the identity of a Christian, the identity of Christ. The Bible also has a name for those. It calls those spiritual strongholds. So bad habits in our life are basically spiritual strongholds that get a grip on us. They're also known as addictions. What I also discovered, and I don't have the time today to get into all of it, but what I also discovered is that the scripture has a whole lot to say about habits. For instance, in Romans chapter 12 too, it says what? Do not conform, do not conform to the pattern. Now let me stop there for just a minute. What did we say? A, pa- a habit is an unconscious pattern. A habit is an unconscious pattern. So do not conform to the pattern. Do not conform to the habits of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Why do we need to renew our mind? Because once we've developed a habit, it just becomes like second nature. And so we have to, we have to renew our mind. We have to break the old habit and create a new habit. They say it takes anywhere from 21 to 30 days to break a habit. And so it's not going to just go away. You have to be intentional about breaking this particular habit in your life. Listen, guys, before you were a Christian, um, you were, sin had a grip on you. Sin had a hold on you. But then you invited Jesus Christ to come into your life, and God broke sin's hold. He gave you the ability, he gave you the power to say no to sin. And yet we still have all these habits And so I talk to Christians all the time. That's why I've discovered that habits are a huge piece when it comes to discipleship. Because I talk to all these Christians that'll say, you know what, I don't understand, Steve. I've been a believer now for five years, and yet I just still feel stuck. I still feel like I'm not making any headway in my spiritual life. What's the problem? The problem is, is you're not dealing with these bad habits. You didn't get those bad habits overnight, and so you're not going to get rid of them overnight. You have to make a determination to deal with those bad habits. Well, today, as we've already mentioned, we're going to talk about the habit of anger. But I think it's first important to mention that anger is not always a bad thing. I think you know that if you think it through. Anger is a God-given emotion. Anger is a God-given emotion. It's when it becomes a habit or the way we automatically respond to things that we don't like. In other words, uh, I might respond out of anger one day, and then the next day I respond again. And before I know it, that's just become a habit. That's just the way I respond. Now, some of you, if you're honest, can identify with that in your own life. It's when it becomes a habit or the way we automatically respond to things that we don't like that it becomes a serious problem. Anger is designed, anger is designed to deal with any threat that might come along in our life. You see, anger becomes a problem when you lose control, when you lose control of your words, when you lose control of your actions. For instance, we know, don't we, that Jesus got angry? Do you remember when he ran the money changers out of the temple? The merchants were turning religion into a money-making scam, and it angered him. And I think there's other things we could talk about if we had the time that angered Jesus, any kind of injustice angers God. I think it angers God to see an adult harm a child. And yet, even though Jesus got angry, the scripture tells us very clearly that he never sinned. 
He never sinned. You see, the type of anger that Jesus demonstrated was more of a righteous indignation. He got angry at those who acted contrary to God's standard of right and wrong. He got angry at those that acted contrary to fairness or justice or goodness. This anger is more directed at the wrong. Now hear me on this because I think it'll help you a lot. Jesus' anger was directed more at the wrong that was done and not so much towards the person that was involved. In fact, this kind of anger has produced great movements in our society. MAD, for instance, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Their anger over the loss of their children motivated them to take action. It motivated them to do something about uh, the laws in our country on drunk drivers. And they started one of the largest victim advocate groups in America today. On the other hand, <clears throat> on the other hand, anger is an emotion that many of us experience when things in our world are just not going the way that we want them to go. Maybe you've been working towards a promotion, but it goes to someone else, and that makes you mad. Or you tell your kids to clean their room, and they don't do it. That makes you angry. As I said, if anger becomes, think about this, if anger becomes your immediate response every time you don't like something, you've established a habit of anger. And it has the potential, it has the potential to hurt your health, wreck your peace of mind, destroy your relationships, and even threaten your career. I can tell you that in those early years when my dad was really struggling with anger issues in his life, he lost several jobs over that. I once heard psychologist and author uh, Richard Dobbins, I actually had him speak when I was still pastoring in Missouri, I had him come and speak to a men's group. And I'll never forget this talk or what he said. He said, men have three issues they struggle with. They struggle with sexual issues, they struggle with anger issues, and they lie about the first two. And I've never forgotten that. Anger has become an epidemic in America today. You see signs of our nation's irritability everywhere you go. I mean, think about the polarization of the political system today or the everyday nastiness of social media or what's been created over this last year with our cancel culture or even worse yet, we don't have time to talk about it, is the shootings that have been taking place at workplaces or at schools. And yet, guys, most violence is not random. The American SPCC says that over four, hear me on this, over four million child abuse cases are reported every single year. And that's just the ones that are reported. Over four million child abuse cases are reported every year. Many of those are carried out by angry parents that are out of control. Friends, no one is born with anger issues. It is learned behavior, which is why if you're a parent in this room today, you need to control your anger in front of your kids. Otherwise, you're teaching them to repeat the same habit in their life. Psychologists have called our generation the age of rage. It's become so common, we've created our own vocabulary. There is road rage. There is checkout rage. There is phone rage. We even, in our recreational activities, there is golf rage. Several years ago, well, you laugh as if you know someone. <laughs> Several years ago, when I was still pastoring in Missouri, I was golfing with a buddy, and he was having a bad day. And uh, finally, on one hole, he got so mad, he took his club and he threw it in the pond. Well, that was awkward. And so, you know, we kind of got in the carts and we went on, and about two holes, he didn't even talk to us for the next two holes. 
And then he calmed down and he got in his cart and he said, I'll be back. He drove back to the pond, waded into that murky water and he got his club out. In Proverbs chapter 14, 29, it says, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. You know, some of you might argue that you cannot control your anger. And guys, I'm just gonna simply push back and say, while you might not be able to control this situation, and you might not be able to control the way it makes you feel, you certainly can control how you express your anger. It reminds me of a story I read about a passion, an outdoor passion play. The actor who played Jesus was walking up the hill carrying his cross. And as about halfway up, there was a heckler that started yelling out obscenities to him and making fun of him and putting him down. And this actor got so angry that he put down the cross and he went over and hit him in the face. <clears throat> then he went back and picked up his cross and started going again. Now, <laughs> so the director afterwards said, what are you doing? He said, I, he said, I know he was a pain, but I can't have one of my actors violently attacking one of the people that are watching. You can't do that. And he's like, I'm sorry, I just lost control. I got so angry, it'll never happen again. Day two, he's going up again, carrying his cross. Here's that heckler again, still crying out to him. He gets so angry, he puts down the cross, he goes over and punches him in the nose. He goes back, picks up his cross, and on he goes. The director's like, you're done. You're fired. I can't have my Jesus violently hitting people. And so the guy pleads with him. He's like, I really need this job. Please uh, just give me one more chance. I promise I'll control my temper. I'll control my anger. And he says, okay, but if it happens again, you, we're not even going to talk. You're done. Just go away. You're fired. So he said, it won't happen again. And so day three, he's carrying his cross and there's the heckler again and he starts in again. And this poor actor, he's gritting his teeth, grinding his teeth, he's squeezing his fist, he is so angry. And finally he just stops in his tracks, he turns to this guy, points at him and says, I'll meet you after the resurrection. <laughs> Listen guys, when we don't control our anger, well we just don't seem much like Jesus. Some of us try to use our anger to motivate people to action. You know, you, you yell at your kids to motivate their behavior. You yell at the sales clerk to motivate her to help you. You yell at your employees to motivate them to work harder. And you know what? It works, at least in the short term. You can scare people into doing almost anything, but in the long run, you're always going to lose because anger always alienates people. It always alienates people. Think about it. When people are angry and shouting at you, what does it do to you? Does it draw you close? Do you feel endeared to them? No, obviously not. It pushes you away. If you're using anger as a parent, if you're using anger to motivate your kids, I promise you, you are building a wall between you and them. You are pushing them away. You know, guys, when your kids are young, think about this. When your kids are young, they think you're a superhero. They do. Everyone else might think you're a little quirky. They might think you're a little odd, but not your kids. Your kids think you're awesome. Their spirits are literally wide open to you. But I'm telling you, if you continue to demonstrate anger towards them and use it as a, as a form of motivation, you will slowly close their little spirits until you get to a point where no matter how much affection you show them, no matter how much love you try to show them, their spirits are closed. We call it, that's a generation gap. No, no, it's an anger issue and you're hurting your relationship with your kids. 
Paul recognized the danger of this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, when he said, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Listen, friends, if you struggle with the habit of anger, you may feel like there's nothing you can do, but you have more control over your anger than you think you do. You can learn to express your emotions without losing control. So today, what I want to do in the remaining time I've got is I want to give you a few steps in the book. I line these out and spend a whole lot more time on it, but I want to quickly give you a few steps you can use to break this habit of anger. But can I just say this before I move on? If it doesn't work, please hear me on this. If you have anger issues and you take these steps and it still doesn't work, I would highly recommend you see a counselor that maybe has some expertise in anger issues. Because if you don't, you're closing everybody's spirit around you. Everybody in your world that loves you and thinks the best and wants the best for you, you're closing all of their spirits. So it really is important, I think, to get counseling if you could. We often try to excuse our behavior, don't we? We try to excuse our behavior by blaming others for our anger. You know, it's those kids of mine that make me so angry. My coworkers make me so mad. If she wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have lost my temper. Listen, before you can ever break this habit of anger, you have to take responsibility. You have to own it to acknowledge that it's a problem. In the book that I wrote, there are 12 chapters and people constantly say, how'd you come up? These seem random chapters. How'd you come up with these 12 different topics? I said, these are all habits I've struggled with. Every single one of them are ones that I had to deal with. When I was writing the book, I came up with a number of habits and I said, okay, these are 12 I've had to work on. So possibly other people have to work on them too. And so many of them, I broke the habit in my life. Some of them I'm still working on. So let me give you some steps real quickly today. Number one, identify the source of your anger. This is a big deal. Identify the source of your anger. If you have a habit of losing control over every perceived injustice, then guys, you need to figure out what's really going on behind your anger. Does that make sense? You need to figure out what's really going on because anger is rarely the primary problem. In other words, it's usually the result of a much deeper problem such as pride or hurt or insecurity, or embarrassment. But once I understand what's behind it all, what's behind my anger, I'm more likely to deal with it, I'm more likely to resolve it. For example, physical or emotional pain can cause us to become angry. When I was younger, actually through the decade of my 30s, I began to get um, some joint and muscle pain that became extreme. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. I was diagnosed with so many different things. Nobody really was able to pin it down. But I'm not talking about sore type muscle pain. I'm talking about at times debilitating that was keep me from working. And that went on for about 10 years. And the more I hurt, the more impatient I would become with the people that were around me. The more I would lose my temper with the people around me. Or maybe someone hurt your feelings or broke your heart. Guys, these are all common causes of anger. I'm just saying that if you can identify the source of your anger, you're more likely to understand how you need to deal with it. Number two, learn to calm down before you react. Learn to calm down before you react. When you start to feel those emotions of anger rising up, and you know what I'm talking about. Whenever we get angry, we feel it, don't we? It just seems to start within our gut and it just begins to rise. Take a few minutes and just step away. Just 
Get yourself in the habit that when I feel this happening, rather than spew all over everybody, I'm just gonna step away for a few minutes and collect my thoughts. And self-talk can be so, so effective in your life. Asking yourself, come on, is it really worth getting this upset over? Will my anger really solve anything? You know, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11 says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold back. In other words, think before you speak. Put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in motion. I once heard someone say, I've never regretted silence, but I've often regretted what I spoke. In James chapter one, it says, verse 19, it says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Guys, that's a refrigerator verse right there. That, that's a computer screen verse right there. You must all be quick to listen. That's the problem. When we get angry, we don't listen, do we? We shut people down. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow uh, to get angry. Number three, get some exercise. Honestly, it really does help to just take a walk. Just say, you know, you feel it rising up. It's like, I'm going to go out for a while. I'm just going to go for a walk. I'm going to go to the gym. Whatever you do to reduce your anger or stress level. Experts tell us that exercise helps to increase the release of endorphins. Endorphins have a calming effect on us, on your body, and it'll help you reduce that level of stress. Number four, let go of my anger correctly. There's a lot that could be said about this, uh, but just decide, listen to me guys, just decide you're gonna handle your, you're not going to handle your anger in inappropriate ways. For instance, don't repress it. We, we think that's a positive thing. I'm gonna just shove it down and I'm just not gonna deal with it. I'm gonna pretend it's not there. Don't repress your anger because your anger will always find a way to come out. It'll always find a way to be expressed. In other words, don't use sarcasm. Some of you think you're so witty with your sarcasm, but it's actually coming from repressed anger. Some of you try to, to manipulate people to get your own way. It's coming from repressed anger. Others of you have this vindictive spirit that says, I don't get mad, I just get even. Listen, guys, whether you complain, blame, or criticize, people that are negative, hear me, people that are negative are usually trying to repress their anger, but anger will always find a way of release. By the way, did you know there's another word for repressed anger? The word is depression. Depression is frozen rage. Depression is repressed anger. People are feeling heavy, they're feeling low, they're feeling discouraged, and oftentimes, more times than not, it's because they've not dealt with their anger, they've just tried to repress it and shove it down inside. And yet on the flip side, can I just say, you can't just express your anger like in violent or abusive ways, trying to verbally abuse somebody. When you do, you're gonna leave burn marks on everyone that's in your path. One pastor said, we often act like a skunk. We spray our stinking temper on anyone that gets in our way. Number five, practice forgiveness. Jesus, as you know, was unjustly beaten and mocked. They placed a crown of thorns on his head and they nailed his hands and feet to a wooden cross. If anyone had the right to be angry, I think we would all agree it would have been Jesus. And yet, do you remember what he said? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you really want to get rid of your anger, you have to decide you're going to forgive the person that's done you wrong. You have to forgive the person that's done you wrong. You have to make that decision. I've heard it said that holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison, hoping that the rat will die. 
In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. It's a responsibility and obligation that we all have. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against, some, against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Lewis Smedes once said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then discover the prisoner was you. And yet we all know that forgiveness is also a process. In other words, I want to create a habit of forgiveness in my life. So I have to be intentional that I'm going to constantly make a decision to forgive that person, to forgive that person. And if I do that enough times, I actually create the habit of forgiveness in my life, which is obviously a positive thing. And so while it takes some time to let unforgiveness go, you can forgive that person that wronged you. Number six, give your anger an expiration date. Paul said in Ephesians chapter four, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, don't let the day pass without resolving your anger. When you allow angry emotions to accumulate over time like a pressure cooker, they will eventually explode in destructive and inappropriate ways that are only gonna hurt, again, the people that you love the most. Number seven, rely on God's control. Listen, if you really believe, now think about this for just a minute, if you really believe that God is in control, if you really believe that God has your back, then you're gonna experience contentment and peace. You know what, for instance, it's the idea, you didn't get the home that you bid on, and so you wanna get upset, you wanna get angry, but then you realize, you know what? God has this. God has my back. God has a plan for my life. I may not fully understand what he's doing right now, but I trust him. So there's no reason for me to get upset. There's no reason for me to get angry. Anger is not something you can prevent, guys. But as long as it's a habit, as, as, long, as long, let me say that, anger is not something that you can prevent. But as long as it's not a habit in your life, as long as you can keep it under control, you're gonna live your life with more peace and with healthier relationships. So what I'm gonna ask you to do with me for just a moment, I'm gonna ask everyone just to bow your head. Just for a moment, just bow your heads, eyes closed for just a moment. I said to you a minute ago, that the way we deal with a habit is first we have to acknowledge it. We can't deal with a habit until we acknowledge our own that it's a problem. So I'm gonna ask you, if you say, look, I get it, anger is a problem for me, would you pray for me, Steve? I'm gonna ask you just to raise your hand and then put it right back down. Just raise it up and say, yes, anger is a bad habit in my life and I need to deal with it. Raise it up and put it down. Yep, all over this room. God, I just thank you and I praise you for your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord God, that you love us more than we could ever begin to understand or comprehend. And so today, God, we're drawing a line in the sand and we're making a decision to once and for all to break this habit of anger. We own it, Lord. We acknowledge that it's a problem. And today, we determine we're gonna take the necessary steps to break this pattern in our life. But God, we can't do it without you. We absolutely need your help. So give us the courage to act the strength and the boldness to break this stronghold once and for all. Thanks, God. We love you and we praise you and we just ask it all now in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.